I want to I want to first of all say thank you to uh, David Winger. That's one of his new songs off his worship album that he's putting out. Um, he's got a merch table in the back after service if you want to get that from him. Um, one thing that uh, Pastor John, thank you for thanking everyone. You did a great job. Um, but one thing that he did not mention was our cooks. Um, so Rhonda, uh, Tanya, Dawn, and Jamie. I want to say thank you to all of y'all. Um, I appreciate it, guys, but it's really about them right now. Um, thank you, all of you, for all of the cooking that you did um, during the week, um, Dawn and the rest of the girls. I keep looking at her, but I don't know where the rest of them are. They're probably at home sleeping. Okay, I see you. All right, where's Jamie at? Is she in here? Okay, they're serving. What do you know? And then Jamie's over here. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Um, so um, if you are in this room and you've got someone from fourth grade all, to, all the way up to graduating seniors, um, on behalf of myself and Allison, I'd like to say thank you for allowing us to um, pour into your children and thank you for trusting us with your children. That way we're able to do things like take them to camps where they can be discipled and learn about our great God. So I want to say thank you to all you parents for allowing us, allowing us to have that opportunity to invest in your children. Um, if they aren't here, if they don't come, then we don't have that opportunity. So I want to say thank you for, for making that important, for making um, the time to carve out a week of y'all summer to allow them to go with us. Um, so I want to say thank you um, for that. Um, as you can see, um, the theme for us, um, the high schoolers and the middle schooler, um, this past week is remnant. And remnant basically means um, it's, a, it's a small piece of something that, that once was. Um, it's a, so, a small remainder or a small remaining quantity of something. And that was the theme this week. And we talked about how um, throughout the U.S. and throughout the world, how in some places, Christianity is becoming a remnant of what it once was. Um, I don't know if, if, if that's something that you guys have noticed or not, but unfortunately, times have changed in our country to where there isn't an emphasis on God like there once was. And, and that's what we, we talked about a little bit at camp. And, and today, as we open up God's Word, we're going to see an example of a remnant within a city. We're going to see an example of the same thing. Um, as we open up God's Word today. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, the, the text that we're going to be reading today, this is a text that our camp speaker, Wade Morris, uh, went through on, I believe it was Tuesday night with us. And as he was going through it, I was just thinking to myself, man, this is a, this is a great application, and I, I couldn't wait to, to get here and to crack open a Bible with you guys and to just kind of dive into this and um, look into this with you guys. Um, so Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, I know a few months ago we were in the book of Jonah as a church, but it's my hope and it's my prayer today that we'll be able to be able to look through this and apply even more things to our lives um, in addition to the things that we applied a few months ago when we were in this series. Um, and a little bit of preface as we go into Jonah chapter 3. Um, Jonah chapter 3, we're picking up after, after Jonah had basically been told to go to the Ninevites and after Jonah had basically gotten in a boat and gone the complete opposite direction to a place called Tarshish. And I said that right. That's how you say it. It just sounds really weird when you say it. So when you get home today, you can 
kind of say that if you're in a bad mood or something. It makes you smile. Um, but he got in a boat, and he went completely to the other side of the world um, to these people. Um, he went a 1,000 miles in the opposite direction of what he was supposed to do. He ran from God. Um, Jonah basically looked at God and said, I know you just told me to do something, but no, I'm going to do something else. And chapter 3 is picking up after he was basically punished or reprimanded from saying no to God. Um, chapter 3 is picking up as he basically submits, he's broken, and he says, okay, God, I'm going to listen now. Um, how many of you in this room, you're stubborn and it takes a few tries with you? Is anybody else going to admit this? Some of you are so stubborn you won't even raise your hand right now. Um, but that's basically how Jonah was. And Jonah, I always find this book of the, the Bible interesting because if you read this, and, and you can do that in, I don't know, 30 minutes pretty easily, the entire book of Jonah. Um, if you read through this, Jonah, he wasn't very good at being a Christian. The guy was a fool. Um, God told him to do something. He said no. He went the opposite direction. Then finally he said, okay, I'll do it. He did it. Um, a city came to know the Lord, and then he was sad about it. Like, if you read through this book, the guy is not the type of person that you would think you would see in the Bible. Um, but uh, I'll quit rambling. Um, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're going to start out. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And Jonah began to go into the city. Going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he walks into the, the, the heart of the city, and he starts to spread the message that God told him to spread. Um, that, and that message is, Yet in forty days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he's going in with a message from the Lord. And as he's doing this, it's important to point out that I don't, that was my daughter. I apologize. Um, she just dropped a clipboard. Um, as Jonah walks into this town, this isn't a town that's too receptive to Christianity. All right. Um, honestly, Jonah is the last remaining remnant of Christianity when he goes into this town. No one is on his team. No one is on his side. Um, the, the Ninevite people, they were notorious for being absolute savages. Um, they would conquer the lands around them. They were consistently um, raiding Israel. They would go in. They would just steal stuff. They would kill people. They were just terrible, terrible people. And a lot of people think that this is a lot of the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to them. He, he had a grudge against them, and rightfully so. Um, like I said, they were, they were horrible people. And they were in this giant, basically, city out in the desert. And... These people would do things like capture people and bury them up to their shoulders in the desert and just wait until they pass away. They would do all of these terrible, terrible things. And like I said, that's part of the reason why Jonah didn't want to go. And as Jonah is going into, into this town, what do you think he is thinking as he's walking through this giant place and screaming that in 40 days they will be overthrown? 
How many of you, you'd be a little bit nervous about that situation? Any of you? Okay. And, and those are the feelings that Jonah is feeling in this moment. Um, those are the emotions that he is going through. It's important that every time we open up the Word of God that we, that we put ourselves into the story, that we, we try to experience and feel some of the same emotions that's the, that these people felt. Because as we open up the Word of God, these aren't just fairy tales from from days long gone. These are like actual people. These are actual moments, and it's important for you to kind of relate to them so we can um, learn things from them. Um, It goes on to say in verse 5, this is the reaction that the people have, and it's a shocking reaction. It says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on a sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. That is not the reaction that I expect from these people. Are you all with me on that one? Is that kind of a shocker? Um, as I looked into this, I, I was able to see some things that, that kind of helped me to understand why these people actually turned towards God. Um, because it is, it's shocking when close to 700,000 people just randomly submit to God. If we were to look into the city of Nineveh, basically it was four cities um, right beside each other that were together, and they put a giant wall all the, right, all the way around all four of those. The wall was about 100 feet tall. Um, they say that the wall was about three chariots wide, so a giant, giant wall. And within the city, there were about 700,000 people, um, about the size of Fort Worth. And as he's going into this place, and he's screaming to them that they are going to fall in 40 days, people submit, believe in God, start fasting, and put on sackcloths. Which, to us, as we look at this, it it wouldn't really make sense until you kind of look at the history of what happened right before this. You see, around 765 B.C., there was a plague that wiped out thousands and thousands of people in Nineveh. In about 763 B.C., there was a solar eclipse. And back then, when solar eclipses would happen, especially um, to these people, because they were pagan, they would worship Um, the sun, they would do all kinds of things that we can't really relate to nowadays. Um, But they saw that solar eclipse and they're thinking, wait, what is this? Is this a sign? What is happening here? Then there was another plague, and then around 760 B.C., guess who showed up? Somebody say Jonah, please. Jonah, yes. Good job, people. Appreciate it. Um, Jonah showed up. Now these people, they were at a point to where they were ready to hear God's message. And because of that, they accepted the message from the messenger about God. That's why we see a conversion. We even see here in the text that um, the king himself, the king, the person in power submitted. It goes on to say in verse 6, it says, the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from the throne, removed his robe, covered himself with a sackcloth, which is pretty much a potato sack, Um, and sat in ashes. Verse 7, And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, nor uh, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. Let man and beast be covered in sackcloth. Man and beast. So they're putting all of the animals in these giant potato sacks as well. Pretty dramatic. Uh, It goes on to say, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So those plagues and those other things, God's setting them up. 
all right? God's getting them ready. These are definitely red apples that are on these trees and just ready to be harvested. Um, it goes on to say in verse 9, Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Verse 10, When God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do that, or, and he did not do it. So today, it's my goal that we learn from Jonah and we learn from Nineveh, that we learn from both of these different people in this story that we're looking at today. And the very first thing, which is the theme of the entire chapter that we're reading, is that obedience leads to action. Obedience leads to action. Um, I can think of several times in my life to where my parents would tell me to do something. I'd be in my room, and um, my mom would yell across the house, Christopher, did you hear me? And I would say, yes. And she would say, then why aren't you doing it? And I would say, I don't know. Now, there were several times in my life, and, and it's going to continue until the day I die, that my mom asks me to do something or that she would ask me to do something. And the fact that I hear her, that doesn't mean that I'm being obedient. I have to put action to it. Parents, do you all agree with me on that one? That when you tell your, your children to do something, they need to do it, not just hear you? And, and the same thing applies when it comes to the Word of God. The same thing applies when it comes to us as Christians. Um, when I say Christians, I'm talking about the people in this room that have received Christ as their Savior. If you're out there today and you haven't done that, I want to tell you that here in a little bit, we're going to have the opportunity to where you can do that, to where you can say, I know that I'm a sinner, I know that I'm lost, I know I need a risen Savior, and you'll have that opportunity here in a second. But the rest of you in this room that are Christians, if you are telling, if you are going to obey God, you have to put things into action. And there are several things throughout the Bible that God tells us, or the Bible tells us that we should not do, and there are several things that the Bible tells us that we should do. As, Christ, as Christians, um, specifically, we're to make disciples, and we're to spread the gospel. We're to uh, reach out to people with the love that God has showed us, or shown us. And these people, as they, well, first of all, we see that Jonah, after saying no the first time around, that Jonah was obedient and it led to action. You see, Jonah didn't say, okay, God, I hear you, and then not go, because that wouldn't be obedience, would it? He put it into action, and because of that obedience, this entire city was changed. All of them. The greatest, basically, spiritual revival of all time happened because of one man's obedience. And if it weren't for that obedience, if it weren't for him putting it into action, then it wouldn't have happened. Now, one thing that we have to understand is that, like this story in Jonah, for example, when God told him to do it, he didn't say, okay, great, I'll pray that it happens. He didn't do that, did he? He did it. And a lot of times as Christians, before I say this, I want you to understand that prayer works and that as Christians we are to pray, that's our communication with God. But as Christians, it is not okay for us to pray that someone else does our job. Okay, that is not obedience. 
That is us using a cop-out of prayer to make ourselves feel good and say, well, I did my duty as a Christian, so everything's going to be great because somebody else will do it. I can't tell you, even the, the speaker at camp mentioned this, but I can't tell you how often that myself, um, being in ministry, and I'm sure the rest of the guys um, on staff and, and Allison and everybody else on staff can attest to this, that people walk up to the, us and say things like, hey, I need you to pray for my mom or I need you to pray for my dad, or my grandfather, or my friend, um, they don't know Jesus as their Savior. Um, I'm, I'm praying that something happens, they accept Christ. And as they do this, a lot of times if you ask them if they have spread, like if they have talked to them about it, they'll say things like, oh no, um, they wouldn't listen to me. Or no, I haven't, I hadn't had the chance yet. You see, a lot of times we think that prayer is enough when it comes to this. When it comes to spreading the word of God, praying that someone else does it is enough. It's not enough. Yes, it needs to be an aspect, it's a key aspect of people turning from their evil ways and accepting Christ as their Savior. But I'm here to tell you right now that part of you being a Christian is you physically walking up to someone and opening your mouth and telling them what God has done in your life. If you haven't done that, you're missing out. If you haven't done that, you're not being obedient. If you haven't done that and you're a Christian, you are not being obedient. And luckily for the Ninevites, Jonah didn't do that. Luckily for the Ninevites, don't, Jonah didn't say, okay, God, I know that these people need to receive you and that there's this ominous message that I need to send them, but I'm going to pray that somebody else takes care of that. Because we do that daily, don't we? Yeah, I don't want to admit it either. I'm the, as I get up here and preach, I'm sure y'all have realized this by my crooked nose, but I'm not perfect, okay? I have my imperfections. And as I talk about stuff like this, I want y'all to understand that I'm preaching at myself as well, all right? Um, so we'll keep moving here because I don't think y'all like that point. All right, the next thing. <laughs> um, obedience leads to action. And as a result of that action, the people of Nineveh changed. All right, so here are the three main changes that we see in them. Um, verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. That is the first change that we see in them, is that they had belief. The people of Nineveh had belief. Now, something I need you to ask yourself today. Do you have belief? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? That's the first step. That's the first thing that, that we have to do to initiate that relationship with Christ, to initiate that relationship with God. And that is what these people did. They believed. As this, as this message came into this town, these people believed. It's the very first step. And honestly, a lot of people, they stop right there. That's where they stop. They say, okay, I believe, I'm good. I got, I've got my get out of hell for free pass, so I'm, I'm good to go. But as we continue to read, as we continue to read, we see that some other things happen. And in verse 5, it says that they called for a fast. Um, a lot of you may not know what that means because we're all scared of fasting, myself included. I don't like to fast. But what these people did is they were so smitten by God, so taken back by this message and by themselves changing 
that they stopped eating. Now, that's a commitment, all right? It's, it's a big commitment. And something I think we need to look at is as these people started fasting, what are some things that we need to fast from? The whole point of fasting, the whole point of fasting is to get closer to God, to eliminate distractions, okay? Now, typically, um, a lot of people, they, they'll fast from um, food. That's something that you see a lot of times. But what if some of these other things in our lives, because we're in a very modern day and age, um, actually the most modern it's ever been, um, does that make sense? Um, there are some things that distract us. Uh, what if we were to fast from TV for a little while to get closer to God? You would be amazed at how much extra time you have. Um, I, I try to hold these students and, and, and everybody I interact with accountable and ask them things like, are you reading your Bible outside of church? And a lot of times I'll hear that they don't have time. And the reason that we don't have time is because we do things like watch TV for two and a half, three hours a day. And some of you right now, you're thinking, I watch it more than that. But you're not going to say anything. You're just going to grin at me right now. I see y'all, you little smirks. What about, what about things like Facebook? As I was looking into this and looking into the sermon today, um, I looked at the demographics of people and how much time they spend on Facebook. Did you know the, the, the age group of 35 through 45, you're the ones that spend the most time on Facebook? It's not the kids. Some of you are like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> but what if we fasted from things like that and said, I'm going to take a week and I'm going to, anytime I think about whatever that thing was, TV, Facebook, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is in your life. Um, but whenever I think about that, instead, I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to read it. Do you think that you get closer to God that week? Part of the reason why, um, for, for my students specifically, part of the reason why they had such a good week and part of the reason why God spoke to them in the way that he did um, with them as individuals was because of the fact that we took their phones before they left. And the first couple of years we started doing that, it was like probably four years ago, uh, they were freaking out. What do I do? Uh, I don't have an alarm, and what if I need a flashlight, and I want to take pictures? They've made it work um, since then, so that's been good. But the first year, they were, they were super, super worried about it, and you act, it, it seemed like we were cutting off a leg or something, and they were panicking. And now, each year as it progresses, they don't want to give me their phones, but at the end of the week, I will have several students that come to me and say, thank you for taking my phone, because they have seen that through fasting from that during the week, that God is able to speak, in the, speak into their lives a little bit more clearly because those distractions are gone. Now, I, it's my hope that we as a church, we take the lead from the Ninevites. We take the lead from um, the people in our lives that we've seen that have, have done some fasting from some things in their lives that distract them from God. It's my hope that we as a church, we can acknowledge the fact that we can get better as Christians and that maybe fasting from something is something that you need to do. And if you're thinking to yourself right now in the back of your head, yeah, I probably need to do that, then you need to do it. And I'm not going to knock on your door and like check and see if you're on Netflix or not or whatever it is. But between you and God and, and, and talk to someone that is close to you and say, hey, uh, wife or, or whatever, who is 
near you, like whoever you've got as a friend that's, that's helping you, um, talk to them and let them know about it. That way you've got some accountability. Um, and, and that'll help you out. Um, so, so the Ninevite people, they started fasting. So what do you need to fast from? And the very last thing that we see from these people is they were desperate. They, they took off their clothes and put on potato sacks. Um, the king sat in ashes. Now, all of these things are basically symbolic. All of these things are these people saying, God, we are being humble right now. We're submitting. We're saying, look, I am, I am desperate for you. I am desperate to let you know that we have changed, that we believe in you, that we're focusing on you, and that it is about you right now. That's what they were doing. They were desperate. Because he came in and said, because Jonah came in and said, we have, you have 40 days and you will be destroyed. You will be overtaken in 40 days. And the, the question that I have for you guys today is if somebody came up to you today and said, you have 40 days, what would your life look like? Who would you talk to? And what would you talk to them about? How many of you, you instantly think to yourself, I would talk to someone about Jesus that I've been putting off for the past however long it's been? Anybody? Why don't you just do it? Why does it take desperate things, or why does it take me saying something like that to even get you to think about it? It's because we have distractions in our lives. It's because we actually need to fast for some, from some things. It's because we need to be in a place where we're desperate. And something we have to understand today is that our country that we live in, it's heading in this direction. It's, it's going this direction. Um, I've got a chart that I want us to look at. And this will kind of prove what I'm saying here. Um, this is, this is an, a, a graph that shows us the number of Southern Baptist churches versus baptisms per year. And the reason that we're using this chart is because it had the, uh, the clearest way of presenting this data to you guys. And basically what the red line shows is the amount of people that have accepted Christ and been baptized in the church. And the blue line is the amount of churches that there are. So we see that basically since um, the 1930s, there's been a steady increase in the amount of churches that we have in the United States. And we see that this red line, which is the baptisms, conversions, uh, people accepting Christ, um, that the, the red line has slowly kind of gone up until what year? Y'all see that? Until the year 2000. And from the year 2000 until today, it's been dropping. It's been tanking, if we're going to be honest. That's the longest drop that we see. That's the, 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 the furthest drop that we have seen throughout recorded history when it comes to this. And this is the quickest that it has happened. And it hasn't started to go up. Like some of these other things, it kind of looks like the start market. It'll drop and then come back up. But right here at the end, starting in 2000, it just starts dropping. That means that us as Christians, we're not doing our job. Do you all understand that? Like in our country, we are losing our country because we're not reaching out to people. Because we aren't spreading the word of God. And... 
Honestly, this is happening because we say no to God like Jonah said no to God. Do you understand that? And I know that every time I get up here and preach, I mention something like this. But the reason I talk about this, the reason I, I show you things like this, is because something has to change or Christian, Christianity is going to be dead. Something has to change or in 50, 100 years, our church may not even be here. Something has to change. If things, like if this keeps dropping like this because we aren't physically walking up to people and telling them about Christ, then it's going to get bad. And part of the issue is that it's not even our mindset to reach out to people. We think that it's someone else's job. We pray that, that something else or someone else will do it. And it's like we've gotten to the point that we think that the only reason we work, the only reason we go to our jobs is to make money to pay our bills. If you're a Christian, you're missing out on what it means to be a Christian. You don't just work your job to pay your bills. You're at the place you're at to spread the gospel. You don't just go to the grocery store you go to to pick up groceries. You're there to spread the gospel. You aren't just in the family that you're in because it just happened by chance. You're in that family to spread the gospel. Don't just pray somebody else is going to do your job because they're not. Talk to these people. If you are a Christian, you are capable of talking to people about Christ. If you have received Christ as your Savior, you know how it works. You know how to do it. And if you're still scared about it, come talk to one of us and we will show you how to do it. I'm here right now, I'm telling you, don't bring people to church. Show them how to get saved. Because over the past, we have told you, I, I feel like in America, we, we have kind of done this wrong. We've always said, hey, bring them to church. Bring your friends to church. Bring your friends to church. Bring your friends to, friends to church. How about tell your friends about Jesus? I'll tell your friends about Jesus. Like, you get them here, I will tell them, but it's not my job to tell all your friends about Jesus. It's your job. And I'll do what I can to help you. I'll do what I can to um, preach the gospel to them, but ultimately, it's up to all of us. It's a team. And at camp, there were so many decisions that were made. There were so many people that made choices for the Lord. I talked to a guy that was, or I prayed with a guy on Friday night that was 37. Um, he was a, he had a plumbing company, and he knew that God was calling him, in, him into ministry. And he was going to get home and make a dramatic change. Um, he was talking to his wife about it, and she was obviously very worried about the situation. Um, but God reached him this past week, and he said yes to God. And, and today, I'm going to ask something extreme from you guys. And at first, it's not going to make sense. But I feel like in this room, there are a lot of you that have been called into missions, and you're not, you haven't submitted. 
And as I say that, some of you are thinking, what? You're, you're telling me to go to some other country? No, I'm not. If you're a Christian in this room, you have been called to local missions. You have been called to local missions. I'm glad that we as a church, we give so much overseas. I'm, I'm glad. That's part of the reason why I'm here. That's part of the reason why my wife and I, we came to this church, because we saw what we're doing overseas. But we're missing out on an entire mission field, and it's just out the doors. Keep giving to missions. Keep sending money to manna. Keep doing all of those things. But you have to understand that when you walk outside of your house, when you walk outside of your church, you're in a mission field. And if you're a Christian, you're a missionary. And there are a lot of you in this room, you've been called to local missions because you're a Christian, and you've said no. You've said, God, I'm not going to do that. I'll pray somebody else does. Don't pray somebody else does your job. Do it. Don't hope somebody else tells your neighbor about Jesus. You go do it. Don't hope that somebody tells your family member, your child. You do it. Don't hope that somebody else changes this trend. You do it. Every one of us here on staff, we pray for you guys. We love you guys. We want what's best for you and your family. We want to equip you to be the best Christians you could possibly be. We do everything we can to help you. And, and we're going to continue doing that. But the responsibility is on all of us. This chart looks like this because Christopher hasn't done his job. This chart, this, it looks like this because we're not doing our job. Put your name in there. You haven't done the job. So I'm going to quit because I'm going to keep going for the next four hours if I don't. But let's all stand up. Um, hopefully today God has spoken to you. As we look at the, bon the, the, the book of Jonah, he wasn't a great guy. And you don't have to be great to be used by God. You just have to be willing. You don't have to go to a Bible college. Jesus didn't go to a Bible college. You just have to be willing. So those of you out there that you think that you're not capable, if you're a Christian, you are capable because you have the Holy Spirit. And if you feel like you need further assistance, come talk to one of us and we will show you how to spread the word of God. We will show you how to spread the gospel. We will show you how to lead someone to Christ because that's half of your job. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today uh, to be able to open up your word. And I pray that as we have this invitation today, that, that the, the people that are out there today, that us as a church, if we feel like we need to talk to you about something, we feel that we need to change something in our lives, that we'll actually come forward and we'll pray. And we'll give it over to you. I pray that you would allow us as a church to become desperate 
to see people receive you as their Savior. That we would look at these Ninevite people and we'd be able to say, I've believed like they believed, and now I need to fast so I can focus on God. That way I can become desperate to see my friends saved. Lord, I, I just want to see you do something great in this city, not the, for the sake of us being say, saying, look at what, it, what we have done, but for the sake of you spreading your kingdom, Lord. And I apologize that I haven't done everything I can to reach out to the people around me. And I pray that you would help us as a church to change it today, that you'd help us as a church to accept the call into local missions. Amen. Thank you.